Today, our topic is children learning language when there's more than one language spoken in the home. Come along and let's listen as we have a listener question that we're addressing today. Are you tired of repeating yourself with your children and wonder why they don't listen? Are you frustrated that your kids argue, whine, or debate with you? Are you afraid you're doing the wrong thing, but you're not sure what to do? Hey mamas, you don't need to stay overwhelmed and exhausted. My name is Dina Lynn Rosenbush, mom, grandma, and speech language pathologist of over 25 years. In this podcast, you will find solutions to get your kids to listen better, understand the clear communication, and the boundaries that benefit kids and all while enhancing your relationships. So if you are ready to build deep, meaningful connection and create a more peaceful, productive, and happy home, listen in. Let's interrupt the way you've been parenting so that you can become the parent you want to be. It's playtime, let's go. Hey parents. Today's episode answers a question from Brian in the beautiful country of Spain. He has questions about his son's language development since he is raising him in a dual language home. His son is 22 months. And by the way, listeners, it is so much fun to answer questions from you over picking a question from what I think you're going to be interested in. So if you do have a specific topic of curiosity, email me that thought at hello at thelanguageofplay.com. As a toddler dad, I have the feeling you are going to do just great. The fact that you are seeking information and skills is a key to building the connection you crave with your kiddo. The Language of Play, this podcast, is built on this idea that discovering and learning and experimenting and growing can be enjoyable and are therefore part of play. For more on this idea, listen to episode two. And Brian, you might want to grab a pencil and paper for today's episode, along with others. Stay curious. Now, Brian had several questions, so I divided the questions up. Today, part one of Brian's question. He wrote, I listened to episode four. Very interesting and applicable to what we're living right now. We live in Spain, and my wife is Spanish, so the kiddo is really taking off in Spanish. I do what I can by reading to him in English and speaking to him in English. It'll come. How will he understand as much English as he does Spanish, since he is living in a Spanish-speaking environment? And how will he understand me, as well as my wife and in-laws? Those are great questions, Brian, and I'm glad you've asked them. You're not the only one to ask. The other parts of your question I'm going to dig into later, because I do like to keep these episodes to about 15 minutes I know you all are busy parents, and you only have time to listen for so long. So let's start there. You wrote that his Spanish is really taking off. That is great. A typical 22-month-old is going to be using short sentences, like two to three words are common. A random longer sentence is common, and then many one-word sentences are common. But really, he's averaging out around the two to three words most of the time. And he probably has about 200 plus words. Now, it sounds like his English is coming much slower. In a situation where you have dual language learner, you're going to not count them as separate piles, but as a pool of words. 
So his Spanish plus his English is in that 200 plus. We're not looking for 200 plus in English and 200 plus in Spanish, which it might be still. I don't know. The statistics say 200 to 1,000 in this age range. There's a wide variety of how many words a kiddo takes in at this age. Let's start, though, with keeping our perspective. And our perspective on how language is learned is what I want you to focus on since you asked, how will he understand? So let's start with like a metaphor of a bucket. All the words are like drops in a bucket that a child hears. At first, your child could not separate the languages at all. He had no meaning attached to the sounds he heard around them. At first, drops just kept coming in. Eventually, his brain starts to sort familiarity, patterns, rhythms, while more drops just get dropped in the bucket. And his brain is the pattern-recognizing system. He's noticing his own noises. Those are more drops. Eventually, the brain sorts these patterns into bigger patterns and similarities. And one day, he noticed the drops, instead of being like water that is puddled together, there's like a boundary. And maybe now his bucket looks like it has confetti in it. Now there's a lot of pieces in that confetti. It's not sorted out. There's a lot of sounds and rhythms and tones, and he's starting to see each one as an isolated thing. And more keeps coming in. Here's an example. Your child might learn hot, but hot has lots of different meanings. Sometimes he's referring to temperature, but sometimes he understands hot means no, don't touch. And he might walk over to an outlet and say hot because he understands that it means don't touch. And he also might put his hands into cold water and say hot because he understands hot means temperature. So there's getting to be boundaries on the words, but not yet clear ones. He starts to notice that there's lots of pieces, and then those pieces are looking more like puzzle pieces. And some of those pieces fit together. When your son is at that level, this is where he's fitting some of those sounds together to build words and some of those words together to build sentences. That's where your son is right now. Now, what causes a child to notice where they're puzzle pieces and not just confetti? That's exposure. The more exposure that confetti-like drops in the bucket start to take form and start to fit together. And they have some, if you can use the metaphor of looking in that bucket, seeing some puzzle pieces amid all that confetti. And then he's able to put some together that way. Whatever is exposed is learned. It sounds like Spanish has the most exposure. He's listening to English too with you, and he is developing English, and that's super great and important. And it sounds like you're talking to him in English and reading books in English, and that is putting more exposure, and that is great, and I'll say keep doing it. My first question for you to consider is how many minutes per day do you talk or read in English with your son? We know the Spanish is coming in from all his environments because he's living in a Spanish-speaking culture. My first assignment to you is going to be to inventory for one week. How many minutes do you spend each day actually using English directly in conversation with your son? And I mean interacting. And I mean interacting in English. Now, I'm not judging you. This isn't a judgment time for you to judge you. I recognize that throughout life, 
we change, our knowledge changes, and our skills change, and our availability changes. So depending on your work, you may have less time and more time, and that is all okay. But let's start with getting you an understanding of how much time are you filling his bucket with English? Because you asked how he learned English, we need exposure. So consider for yourself, and since I don't know you, I'll tell you about me. I was exposed to cake decorating when I was very young. My mom enjoyed decorated cakes. I learned that vocabulary. I learned how about texture, color, flavor, equipment. It was exposure. I learned that vocabulary because I was using it. When children are young, quantity of exposure matters. You wrote, I can do what I can. Yes. And by reading to him in English and speaking to him in English, that's great. And it will come that way. I want you to consider how much time you have available to fill his bucket. Now I've got a second little assignment for you. I want you to consider how you read your books with your kiddo. You said you listened to episode four, a one-year-old language learning with a book. The tips in that episode are the same for age two. They have more words and longer attention than a one-year-old, but the trick is to follow their attention. Talk about in your language, what it is that they are paying attention to. You don't need to read the words of the book while you're reading the book. Books with two-year-olds can be talking through the pictures in the book. Book time can be very positive, and it should be. In the morning, maybe you um, you might talk about fun things. In the noontime, maybe you're going to be talking about, wow, I, I saw that in real life, and I'm making connection to the words. And, and maybe at bedtime, you're going to switch it up to be cozy because you want to wind down. So book time can be used for teaching, for excitement, for preparation, and also for wind down. Sometimes parents tend to think of book time as a wind down time. It isn't. It Well, it is, but it's not only that. Books can be used for teaching lots and lots of things, and I really love using literature to teach language. I worked with a Minnesota family where the mom spoke Spanish and English, and Dad spoke English. Schooling was in English. That mom took on the role very seriously of making sure her kids knew Spanish. The society was English, and she decided she would only speak Spanish with her kids. So there was a constant and regular source of Spanish exposure. For your assignment number three, I want you to consider if you can copy that mom. Can you speak only English with your son? Can you create a schedule that allows more exposure and everyday exposure with you in English? Can you adopt that attitude that his English depends on me? After all, you are his English-speaking environment. If he is in an environment where English is intermittent and Spanish is consistent, his learning will reflect that. When you have time with him, can you... Have Spanish not be present? Maybe go for a walk in the hills and vineyards and talk about what he sees, what he hears, what he smells, what he touches, what he tastes. Make this routine that he goes out with you where it's just the two of you and there's daily time where he interacts about what he's paying attention to and his interaction is exclusively English. 
and I think that you will see his English blossom. Another part of this is your relationship with him, which might actually be the heart of your question. Do you also speak Spanish fluently? I think you said you did. Will you be able to communicate with him during the peak times and the dark times of his life and stay connected with him in Spanish? If so, I want you to ask your motive. Ask yourself, why do I want him to have English? Get clear on your why. Now, I know there are many good reasons to have English, and I'm not questioning that. But I want you to consider the strength of your why will tell you how much energy you have to put into this endeavor. If your why is strong enough, you will find the time and energy to do it. But if your why is because you feel obligated, because you feel it is expected of you, you ought to do it, then it's going to be very hard to find the joy and the play in the experience. So take a little time with yourself and figure out your why. And when your why is strong, it will become more joyful to do the work of teaching the English. You need to dig into yourself too. So to wrap it up, first, Brian, inventory for a full week. How much time, how many minutes do you actually spend in interactive communication in English with your son? Once you have a handle on that, you'll have an idea of what your starting blocks are. The second thing I want you to do is consider how you read your books. And remember that what they're paying attention to is what you talk about. It's not that you need to get the story into their little heads. You need to get words and language and interaction and enjoyment and togetherness and all of those things into the experience. So enjoy a book alongside of what they're paying attention to. And your third thing is consider your why. If your why is out of obligation and push, then consider how much effort and energy and time you're going to put into it. But if your why is because you do have enjoyment, you're hopeful for your child, you're, you're hopeful for yourself and your future, and it's this wonderful thing, then absolutely. Now, there are more parts to Brian's question, and we are going to dig into that next time. Remember, mamas, when you get behind the eyes of a child, you can speak in a way their brains understand. Thank you so much for joining me today. If you feel hopeful and want to hear more, please share this podcast with other parents that might want the same. I would be so appreciative if you would rate and review. You can also connect with me through the email found below.